It's the third Sunday of Advent. We should be talking about joy, but instead we're talking about peace. Uh, so Advent reminds us, as you can see on the banners, every year to focus on these four important truths, that hope is bigger than defeat, that peace is bigger than fear, joy bigger than despair, and love bigger than either alienation or rejection. Thousands of generations of tests, as we said to the kids earlier, through telling that story, we put layers and layers and layers of experience and meaning on the, our ancient stories. And what those stories tell us is that these core truths are real, they're substantive, they're experienceable, and these core truths are dependable. They show up again generation after generation after generation, each attesting to the efficacy of these core things in our souls. But the tradition also warns us they're elusive because life will crowd these out of our experience. And so we remind one another once a year um, on these dark days, these short days of the year. So today's reminder is to stir ourselves to peace. So we read in the text this morning that we are, every one of us, carriers of the breath of God. We are, every one of us, carriers of the Spirit of God. We are animated by the breath of God. We are animated by the divine right there as close as close can be, we read. And when we access that deep part of us, the text said, we need not be dominated by fear. When we access that deep part of us, we can access it for our own lives and we can access it to be makers of peace giving peace away to those around us. The Spirit of God is right there, as close as close can be. Peace always is, irrespective of circumstances, because the indwelling Spirit of God always is. It never leaves us, it never forsakes us, no matter how difficult this, the circumstances become. Now that's pretty counterintuitive when you're going through troubles, when you're up to your ears and alligators, when things are just going wrong right, left, and center. But it is the testimony of those who have gone before us on this spiritual journey, that there is a way that we can access a peace that passes understanding. So whenever we are experiencing not peace, our tradition tells us, we are not suffering a deficit of peace we're suffering a deficit of access to peace because all the peace that we need is within us because the Spirit of God is within us. If we are not experiencing it, it's not because it's not there. We're not experiencing it because we're not accessing it. And that is what the spiritual journey is about. You've heard so many times before. The reason we do the practices, the reason that we work the circle, the reason that we participate in the curriculum is to gain access to that which is within us. The spiritual journey is not from here where I am to somewhere far from here where I get a bucket full of God or I get a bucket full of hope or peace or whatever. It is a journey to go within to find the indwelling Spirit of God that is there, always there, never leaves us, never forsakes us. Well, like our lesson on hope, this lesson on peace is going to be a practical one. How do we access peace when troubles beset us? How does it happen at your house on your hectic days, on your troubling nights? Well, the thing is, as a community, we do a lot of work drawing from the ancient practices that help people access peace. We work the circle. 
We organize our community's calendar. We organize our community's budget. We organize our community's energies and our events around these ancient practices, the communal practices, the contemplative practices, the learning practices, the serving practices. We share a spiritual curriculum that includes meditation, it includes several contemplative practices and the Enneagram and self-awareness and self-disclosure and conflict resolution and talking circles and restorative justice and healing the world. And all of these things that are in our working the circle and in our curriculum, they are all rooted in ancient practices that, that foster healthy souls. And healthy souls is code for accessing the interior spirit of God. We access the spirit of God and one of the things that we access is peace. So yeah, we're working on peace all year long. We're working on hope and joy and love all year long. We're working on Advent all year long. But when the calendar comes along and it says, pay special attention to this folks, encouraging one another to these, kind, these four core truths, now is an opportunity for us to think kind of specifically and kind of purposefully and kind of intentionally about this aspect, peace. Now, this text I'm going to kind of tell you about. You can snap a picture and read it later if you'd like to, but I'm just going to give you the gist of it. But there's a whole bunch of texts like this one through all of our tradition that will inform the theme that I'm going to present today that is one of the ways that we practically access peace. This text shows up in the story of Job. You might have remembered that story sometime from your experience. It's a story about a guy who seemed to have it all, who lost it all. And he ends up uh, on an ash heap with boils. It's a story about going from having everything to an industrial strength version of suffering. And there, while he's on the ash heap, his friends, um, and that's a loose usage of the word for these people, uh, in essence, they say to him, yeah, you and your God fetish, uh, how's that working for you now? And they're basically saying, get over it, Job. Uh, do what any sensible person would do, curse God and then die. <laughs> Abandon your God and either you're going to get a new one or you're going to have to go without. And his response is the text that I put up on the wall there. Well, he says to his friends, <clears throat> I got to tell you, I don't really get this suffering thing. I don't like it, to be sure. And I don't know if it's God or if shit just happens. It's a loose paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you this, he says, I do see the divine. And I see it in the rocks and the trees and the dirt and the sky. And he said, I would encourage you to do what I do. What I do is I ask the animals what they think. And they speak to me the words of God. I have chats with the birds. And when I do, I hear the whispers of God. I speak to the earth and I talk things over with the sea. Do that, he said. You'll hear the whispers of God too. I do. I don't like suffering, he says, not a, one little bit, but when I look at the earth, I hear the divine. And that is not something that I can ignore simply because I am suffering. Now that response from Job 
is an important theme in our tradition. We access the divine, our tradition tells us, in the ancient written words, sure we do. But we access it just as well in the wind and the water and the soil and the fire. This physical world of ours, it speaks the words of God. So when it comes to practical terms, if we want to experience the interior divine, if we want to experience indwelling peace, the peace Jesus said passes understanding, then it is to us to get out in the natural world and talk to the animals and chat with the birds and talk things over with the sun and the soil and the wind and the water. Now, we are particularly fortunate in Raleigh. I've lived a lot of places, and I will tell you that here, our greenway system makes nature about as accessible as it can be for urban dwellers. Our city planners have put a greenway about five to ten minutes from anywhere you live in the city. And our ancient wisdom tells us that if you want to access peace, put on a jacket and get out there in it. Now, as we see so often in our lessons, current research is supporting the intuited wisdom of those who have gone before us on the spiritual tradition. This is Isabel Benke, and she's doing a TED Talk here. She's one of the world's foremost experts in bonobos. Now, I don't know enough about bonobos to know if they're monkeys or not, or they're just part of the great uh, ape family, whatever they are. She followed a troop of them through the Democratic Republic of the Congo for three years, which is a dangerous thing to do in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Every day for three years, she walked the equivalent of 10 and a half miles uh, each day, observing and note-taking and interpreting social behavior and personal behavior and watching this troop of bonobos. And then she returned to her studies at Oxford. And when she did, she would regularly set up a perch outside the bonobo exhibit at a zoo in southern England. And she would watch them as she had watched them in the wild. And she was struck by the difference between what she saw in the wild and what she saw in the zoo. In the wild, bonobos have troubles. They get bullied. They become outcasts. They experience food insecurity. And when these kinds of stressors happen, sure enough, their behavior changes. They scratch themselves a lot more than they had been. They groom themselves a lot less. They withdraw from others. They refuse grooming, all the things that make these social connections. But in the wild, she said, there's a limit to how far those negative behaviors will go. There's like a floor beneath which the negative behaviors will not fall. So the bonobos will go down but not out when they're in the wild. But in the zoo, there seems to be no floor, no lower limit. They will scratch themselves until they bleed. And they will develop ticks and obsessive rocking. In bonobo behavior, she said, in the zoo, they will develop full-blown chronic depression. In the wild, they just get depressed. So she began to wonder if humans experience similar kinds of things and uh, if they did not have access to the kind of landscape in which we all evolved together. And so she began another wing of her research and discovered that, sure enough, all kinds of health problems, uh, physical health, mental health, all kinds of health problems get worse when we live in non-natural urban settings. And so the University of Essex, 
in England, they studied this even more deeply and they tracked 5,000 households for three years. And they found this, that people who moved from leafy green areas to concrete asphalt urban areas, they experienced higher rates of depression. And the converse was just as true. Those who moved the other way from concrete and asphalt to leafy green areas, they saw a big reduction in the rates of depression. And when city dwellers will simply take a regular walk in nature, their mood improves, their concentration improves, and if a person is depressed and they spend time outside in nature, their improvement will be five times greater than those who don't put on a coat and get out in it. We were shaped in nature. We were shaped walking in God's creation. So when we are in that environment, well, of course, we do better. Now, it turns out that those who exercise but do it on an indoor treadmill don't get the same benefits as those who walk in nature. Now, none of these researchers would use religious language. That's not their thing. But in essence, they're saying what resonates with the religious language of our own tradition. And that is that we access something powerful in the physicality of the earth. Now, we call it divine. The divine is in nature just as the divine is in the book. The divine is in nature just as the divine is in us. And the deep that is in us calls to the deep that is in the physical world. But even so, that is a resonating part of our tradition. It has nevertheless been a neglected part of our tradition. So for the last 500 years, we have been telling people, if you want to be on the spiritual journey, read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. Maybe for the next 500 years, we could emphasize, go outside and listen to the wind. Go outside and listen to the birds. Go outside and watch the animals. They all proclaim the presence of God, the peace of God. When we do not access the divine life that is in us, when we do not access the divine life that is in the rocks and the trees, we tend to close in on ourselves and we tend to become prisoners of the stories that we tell ourselves, prisoners of the false self-narrative. We become entombed in all, of, all that is the shadow side of our personalities those habitual thought process become the only thing we see. But get out in nature and take in the air and the water and the wind and the earth and experience what we so often experience in nature, a touch of awe, a deep settling, a lowering of our heart rates, more peaceful thoughts, more quieted minds, and we are uplifted. And that's what Job tells his friends. Our problems and our troubles and our worries and our fears, those things that tend to consume the horizon of our awareness, the things that we tend to get entombed in, they don't go away. But when we bring along this complementary reality of a bigger vision, which we often sense in nature, our problems take a more accurate ranking in the place they get in our lives and it tends to be a smaller place. Hear the voice in nature, and our worries tend to get smaller. Our problems don't change, but they tend to be seen in perspective.
The earth is very big. The sky is very big. The time that the trees have stood in place is very long. The time that the skies have overseen the earth is very long. And when we are there, taking in the voice, false self takes its proper place, its smaller place. It gets whittled down to an appropriate size. The bigness of this truer reality makes our concerns smaller than they might have appeared to us, more manageable. We become more capable of taking them in stride. And we become people of greater access to the peace that is within us. All of which we can access better by the simple spiritual practice of putting on our shoes and getting out there and walking in it. In the 1970s, at a state prison in Michigan, they did an accidental experiment in the peacemaking, healing properties of being in nature because the prison was built with half of the cells facing farmland and trees and the other half looking at brick walls. If your cell looked at nature, you were 24% likely to get sick you were 24% likely to have mental issues. You are 24% likely to have violence in uh, your relationships within the prison. 24%. That's a better rate than a lot of drugs that get approved by the FDA. If you could have a 24% improvement over a placebo, my God, that's a blockbuster drug right there. And here all you have to do, strap on your shoes and go for a walk. See what I see, Job told his friends. The divine is there in the rocks and the trees and the dirt and the sky. Ask the animals, he said. They speak with the voice of God. Chat with the birds, he said. You too will hear the whispers of God. Speak with the earth, talk it over with the sea. You will access the indwelling peace of God. So in dwelling spirit, as we remind one another at Advent that peace is in us because the Holy Spirit is in us, may we access that peace for ourselves and so that we can be peacemakers, giving peace away to those around us. Be it so as we follow Jesus. Amen.